I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, you know what time it is. It's time for another episode of the Steelers Draft Fix. It's Jeremy Betts. It's Andrew Wilbar coming to you again. Andrew, how you doing, my man? Doing well. It was a really interesting combine. We got a lot to talk about. We sure do. Um, It was crazy. It was fast. And uh, also, it doesn't doesn't play into – draft position as much as maybe we think sometimes in other cases it can so we'll try to differentiate that for the listeners here today but first I did want to mention that the Steelers draft fix is a part of the behind the steel curtain.com podcast network so many different podcasts so much online content you can get through behind the steel curtain.com it should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers And uh, I know I'm going to it often right now to see updates and opinions from Steelers fans, just like myself, just like our listeners here, Steelers fans who love their team and want to uh, tell the Pittsburgh Steelers story from their perspective. So it's a great place to go behind the steel curtain.com. This podcast is going to focus today on the NFL combine from Indianapolis that just took place. Andrew and I probably watched most of it, um, maybe not every single second, but we have been keeping up with the stats, with the players. Um, And we're going to get into some risers and fallers, and we're also going to discuss the positions of interest for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But before we do that, Andrew, I wanted to jump into some news. We've been hearing a lot in the last couple days about Uh, the Aaron Rodgers situation. And it seems to be based on reports that the Pittsburgh Steelers are still in the Rodgers running. Are you buying that? I'm hoping not, um, but I, it's so (laughs) hard to tell. There seems to be conflicting reports with it. Um, It's, I don't want it to happen. Uh, Let me just make that clear. I don't see the need to trade multiple first round picks for a guy that's only going to be playing a few more years before he retires. Um, I don't see how that would make sense, especially since I don't think the Steelers team is ready to win now anyways. I don't see why he would necessarily want to come here. We're kind of going through a mini rebuild. So I'm not sure why Rodgers would want to come here, but uh, I certainly hope that the Steelers are not entertaining. I'm hoping that the reports are uh, somewhat false. 
I agree. I would much rather see the the Steelers spread their money out on free agency and spend more draft picks instead of less on positions of need as well. We're going to talk about it through this show because uh, we were looking at the position groups and there's really only maybe two or three position groups that the Steelers don't necessarily need help on urgently. Uh, So, you know, they have a lot of needs. They need to use as many picks and as much money and free agency for all of that. I don't necessarily buy it. I think um, it's too rich for what the Steelers want to do. And the Steelers way has always been Super Bowl or bust, but Super Bowl or bust with the players that they home grow, with the players that they draft and, and they build up uh, in their organization. I don't see that necessarily changing this year in a go for it all for Aaron Rodgers. Um, so, yeah, I think we both agree. We don't want it to happen. It's probably not going to happen. Um How about the Seahawks um, declining to trade Russell Wilson, even though multiple first round draft picks were offered by the Washington commanders. Uh, What do you think about that, that they're not willing to deal Wilson for two uh, draft picks? Does that make it sound like Wilson's staying put? I think he's going to stay put. It seemed like a lot of the original rumors were kind of started by Russell Wilson a couple of years ago when he was really wanting offensive line help and they weren't giving him a whole lot of help on the offensive side of the ball. And I think there are things that Russell Wilson is aggravated with inside the organization, but I'm not sure it's enough for him to hold out or like request to trade publicly. And I really don't think the Seahawks necessarily want to trade him. And I mean, really, why would you want to trade him? So, you know, I I really think it's one of those things the media is going to make it out to be a big thing. Uh, But I don't really see Russell Wilson going anywhere. I don't think the Seahawks want to move him. And I don't think Russell Wilson is quite disgruntled enough to request a trade and make a big thing out of it. Yeah, I I feel similarly. If it were to happen, it would have happened with the uh, commander's offer, uh, multiple first round picks. But Seattle doesn't want to trade him. I think Russell feels comfortable where he's at, despite media rumors to the latter. Have you heard how much money Mitchell Trubisky wants in free agency, Andrew? I have not. I'm curious to see what you're about to say. Okay, so I've been hearing from some of our guys and also uh, just around different outlets that Mitchell Trubisky is looking for $10 million in a contract. And uh, I don't know if he can really demand that in in the market that he's going to have, but what do you think? Do you think he's going to – draw a bigger market because of the lack of first round talents at the quarterback position in this draft? I think it's possible. I think that because the demand for quarterbacks seems to be a little bit higher this year than the past year, he could get it. And I think he's capable of playing to that type of contract, but there is a big risk in paying a guy like that $10 million. He didn't play really at all last year, at least not any meaningful snaps. And then his previous couple of years, he really struggled in Chicago. I believe he's capable in a good offense to be an efficient NFL quarterback. I believe he's a guy that can be a starting caliber quarterback. And if you can, you know, pay your starting quarterback $10 million, you're getting a bargain, but there is no guarantee there. Mm. Um, there's just a lot known with unknown with Trubisky. I feel like Jameis Winston would probably be more likely to get that first and probably Mark, maybe even Marcus Mariota. I'm not sure about Marcus Mariota, but definitely Jameis Winston. Hmm. I feel like after being in Scott Payton's offense, I feel like around the league, he may be perceived a little bit differently now than he was in Tampa Bay. But I don't see, I don't really think Trubisky gets 10 million, but he could get more than what people are 
saying he will after coming off that $2 million deal this past year. Right. And it still makes sense for the Steelers to look that direction. A mobile guy um, with first round upside, at least in the Chicago Bears eyes. I don't know if in everybody's eyes, but, um, you know, he has that pedigree. Uh, He put up a lot of good tape on at North Carolina and some good tape in the NFL as well. People forget that he has a winning record and um, wasn't always the reason the Bears were bad um, under Matt Nagy and uh, um, in early on in Trubisky's career there. So uh, definitely an option to keep an eye on for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the, the number is something that will be intriguing to Steelers fans who keep up with that as well. All right. All right. That brings us back around to the NFL combine. And uh, I wanted to throw it out to you, Andrew, give me a couple guys, maybe the Steelers can't get, or maybe the Steelers won't try to go get um, just because of the position they play, but guys that you really thought made strides in this combine for their draft stop. Well, I think on the defensive line, there's a couple guys. I know I think you're going to mention one of the guys who's one of my big draft crushes, but I'm going to mention the other guy, Trayvon Walker. He's going to be more of a mm. probably a 4-3 defensive end in the NFL. Had an incredible combine, 4-5-1-40. Was incredible all across the board. Had an incredible 10-yard split time. The guy's an absolute freak. He's going to probably go top 10. Steelers aren't a 4-3 defense, so it doesn't really matter anyways. I think that's his best fit. And there's, I mean, there's not a bunch of positions that the Steelers – did not need. Um, the, I mean, the Steelers are going to be right. looking at just about everything, but at tight end, one guy that I really like is Daniel Bellinger. Back in 2019, I got to go mm-hmm. to the scouting combine and I saw uh, Foster Moreau have an incredible work, I believe, highlighted by a 4 6 6 in the mm-hmm. 40. And he was very good in the drills. We already knew he was a good blocker coming in, but he proved his receiving skills. And I think that's the same thing with Daniel Bellinger this year. 4.63 in the 40, 22 bench reps, 34.5 inch vertical, 125 inch broad jump, which was the best amongst tight ends, 7.05 in the three cone drill, which is really good time for tight end as well. 4.47 in the shuttle. He was really good across the board. We already knew his blocking hmm. skills, but he proved some athleticism. I think he's a guy that could develop into a tight end one, maybe two or three years down the line. And that's always important to consider is down the road, not every draft pick is for today and for 2022. Um, you want to build a team and continue that growth. So, yeah, some of these guys, like you're talking about, I think uh, who you're thinking of um, along the defensive line is Jordan Davis. Man, what a, a combine for him. I think he may have done enough to silence some of the can he play all three downs? Is he worth a first round pick because of how he's going to play? type of work he's he's a mauler in the middle of the field yes. a guy that size that can move like he does is pretty incredible I think we're both uh crushing on him a little bit uh I don't know if that works in the first round for the Steelers um he may be long gone by then after this combine uh if teams put a lot of stock into what they saw but uh another guy I really liked was uh Zamir White from Georgia he wasn't expected to run like he did but a four 440 in the uh, in the dash was really impressive for a big guy who's known more for his uh, downhill play. I don't know if he fits what the Steelers are wanting to do um, with somebody who may or who can catch the ball and kind of spell uh, Harris and change the pace a little bit. But he could be a guy to bring in in the middle rounds to develop behind Najee Harris uh, and kind of leave that third down and change of pace role in the hands of. Anthony McFarland for now. 
All right. Do you have anybody else that you wanted to just rapid fire real quick? On running back, one name I wanted to mention was Pierre Strong Jr. Uh, I was really high on him before, but the South Dakota State running back, 437 in the 40th, 36-inch vertical, 124-inch broad jump. I've seen the comparison to Elvin Kamara thrown out there, and it really is a good comparison. If he can go to an offense where he's used in kind of that role, maybe his rookie season, he's paired with another running back that's more of the power back, and he can be more of that pass-catching weapon, that complementary back. I think Pierre Strong is a guy who could be a really good guy. A guy that those of you that play fantasy football will want to pay attention to as a rookie, maybe in the later rounds of your fantasy drafts this year. Yeah, somebody I'll be keeping an eye on and uh, a guy I'll be keeping an eye on in Dynasty Leagues as well. Um, he's so smooth, and I think that's what you think of when you think Alvin Kamara, the smoothness, the, um, the fluidity in movement, and uh, that's really his calling card as well. All right, well, then we're going to break down the positions of need for the Steelers, uh, some guys that we really saw step up and show out at the Combine. And let's start with the number one big-time need for the Steelers this year, and that's the quarterback position. Who do you have as your biggest riser at that position based on their Combine performance? My biggest riser, and I I think I know where you're going in this direction, so I'm going to let you have that one, but Malik Willis – I'm I'm a diehard all aboard the Malik Wells hype train officially. I'm completely on board, however you want to say it. I he's answered every question that needed to be answered. Yes, his footwork needs some work, but that is a very fixable issue. He needs to sit for a while, yes, but he is more accurate than anyone gave him credit for. His deep ball accuracy was fantastic at the combine. Does this, he displayed his deep arm? I mean, he had a little bit of hip rotation on those deep throws, but it looked effortless. I, he was capable of much more. And there were several ones. I believe one was recorded a 56-yard pass. It looked so effortless, so smooth. He definitely could have put a lot more on that ball. He's got an incredible arm. We already know his athleticism. He's answered just about every question. I, obviously, the combine, I don't put a whole lot of weight into quarterbacks throwing against dead air. So we couldn't really see what his pocket presence was or anything like that. But I think that he is a guy that you are all in on what his potential is and you're willing to do whatever it takes on the offensive side of the ball to get him the pieces he needs to succeed. I think this guy could be a true playmaker in a few years. Yeah, I agree. He was really impressive to me. He didn't need to run in the, at the combine, you know, what he brings to the table there. The pro day is going to be big for his stock. uh, When we see him hitting receivers, throwing route concepts, working on that footwork, doing different types of rollouts and stuff. That's where he's going to make his money, so to speak. But the arm strength is off the charts. It was really good. And uh, you said everything else that needs to be said about him. So I'll go in a little bit different direction. I thought Desmond Ritter changed a lot of people's perspective of him throughout the senior bowl, throughout this combine, the offseason process. He's a leader in meetings. We heard that all weekend um, that teams just love him. He's, he's a leader. He's got great football IQ and the athleticism was awesome. Uh, four, five, two in the 40. Um, he's not quite as fast as Willis. I don't think, but that is plenty fast uh, for a quarterback. Uh, 36 inch v- vertical, 127 inch broad jump. 
the three cone was was really impressive too for a quarterback 7.15 and uh, I just think his his ability to uh, read the field is also a plus somebody that could be a little bit of a reach for the Steelers at 20 but I'm viewing this draft as the one where Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett both get taken too high one because Malik Willis is showing out so well and there are some QB needy teams early in this draft um and then Pickett because as soon as um Willis goes off the board Pickett's going to get taken up in my opinion too because they're going to view him as the next best thing so then if the Steelers are locked in on quarterback they may do an Artie Burns in 2016 and go up for Desmond Ritter now I'm not saying that Desmond Ritter is Artie Burns, um, but, but what I'm saying is they may just jump ahead and go get that quarterback at 20. And if Ritter's the pick, then I think uh, you, as a, as a Steelers fan, you've got to think that maybe it's a reach, but if they really believe in him, if based on what we've seen so far, uh, he's got some really good potential as well. So somebody I'm keeping an eye on for sure at the quarterback position. Did you have anybody that kind of fell off for you a little bit, maybe on the cusp of, draftable for the Steelers, but you would not want them to pick him up at this point. Well, Kenny Pickett is just a guy. He struggled to push the ball down the field on deeper throws. That was the big knock on him during his workout and his eight and a half inch hand measurement that was expected. But I strongly believe at this point that Malik Willis is a better prospect than Kenny Pickett. And I think a lot of eyes were open to that this week. One thing I did want to mention before we move on from the quarterbacks one of the extra arms, Cole Kelly. I don't know if you saw him at all, and I haven't looked. Too I did, this too, but he actually has a pretty good arm. Um, he was mm-hmm. one of the extra arms there at the combine. He had some good arm strength. He was thrown to you know some of the running backs and the tight ends. Um, just on you know he was one of the guys really throwing throughout the entire week. Um, he had good pass placement. He had good ball placement. He's a guy I could see someone who goes in the fifth round range as someone who has starter upside. He'll probably likely end out as a backup but someone that you can maybe work with. He has some tools there. Mm. And then EJ Perry is another guy. I think we talked about the week of the quarterbacks. He's got some talent as well. Yes. Those are two guys that kind of stood out outside of the top, top quarterbacks. Yeah, and uh, EJ Perry showed some athleticism as well. He ran well, and uh, he was impressive to me. Uh, you're right, though. Uh, Kelly had a, a good combine, if you can say that for uh, just an arm there. And, you know, he may have put himself on a couple teams' radars for – the UDFA market at the end of the draft. Um, let's move on to uh, offensive line. And if you want to break this down for tackles and guards, uh, you can, um, but that's up to you. How are you feeling about uh, some risers at the offensive line positions uh, that the Steelers might want to target? Well, I'm not a big fan of Trevor Penning at offensive tackle, but he did have a very good combine, as expected. 4.92 in the 40, 7.253 in the three cone. He was more fluid than I expected in the drills, but his footwork was all over the place in some of the drills. He's going to rise because of the testing numbers, but to me, those were kind of expected. The big issue on tape is footwork, and he didn't really do anything to lower the level of concern this week. Still, he's a good, good athletic times for him. He's safely in the first round now. I'm just not sure if I really want the Steelers to go after him. Abraham Lucas is another guy I'm not really sure about. He's more of a pass-blocking right tackle, and I just don't really see where that fits in with the Steelers' scheme right now. But then on the interior offensive line, uh, there's a lot of guys. I'm going to kind of just go rapid fire. But the one guy I did want to talk about is Joshua Ezudu, uh from North Carolina because he's not someone that's going to be talked about 
a whole lot because his numbers weren't great. I mean, they were very pedestrian. 519 in the 40, 28.5-inch vertical, 105-inch broad. I mean, all across the board, they weren't great times. But in the drills, he was incredibly fluid. He showed good footwork, very light on his feet, uh, just very good, um, just very technically sound, um, just seemed to be very good in terms of change of direction skills. He's a guy that on tape in 2020 was fantastic, especially in pass protection. This past year, North Carolina's offensive line wasn't quite as good overall, but as you do was still probably the best, or at least the second best player on that offensive line this past year. He's a guy that probably in the third or fourth round range, if he's available, he's a guy maybe the Steelers could consider. Um, my guy, Lasita Smith, we'll get into later, a guy who didn't do quite as well, um, but a couple guys that did Dylan Parham, center guard for Memphis, Cameron Jurgens. Uh, center for Nebraska, 492 in the 40, 25 bench reps, moved really well in the field drills. And then Cole Strange, center guard combo from Chattanooga, Dawson Deaton. Um, so many guys we could get into. Uh, Tyler Smith is another sure. guy, offensive tackle, very athletic, but very young. I believe he's just about to turn 21. He's a guy I so badly want him to be a tackle, but I just looking at him, he looks more like a guard. Reminds me a little bit of Trey Smith when he was a sophomore at Tennessee was a left tackle, added some weight, moved inside, and we're already seeing what he was. I was a big fan of him last year. He's already doing a fantastic job at Kansas City, one of the best young guards in the NFL. And I feel like if you move Trey Smith to the inside, his lack on tape, especially against Ohio State, he really struggled against the bendier edge rushers. Playing low was a little bit stiff. Mm. I feel like those issues aren't as big of a deal if you move him inside the guard. He's got a lot of power and he's got a lot of athleticism. So Tyler Smith has got to keep an eye on maybe on day two, if the Steelers still need a guard, he's a guy I may be sure. looking at since several of the guards I wanted to not do quite as well as I expected. Right. Uh, another name I saw that stood out to me was Kellen uh, Deesh from Arizona state. He just played, or he just displayed some real athleticism out there for a big man. Um, Six foot four, 301 pounds. He's got a 489 40 yard dash. And uh, sorry, I'm just pulling up the jumps. Do you have the, his jumps out there? Um, I do not, but they were incredible form. across the board. Everything was yeah. at or near the top. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 110 inch broad jump, 32 and a half inch vertical. Um, the guy, is is powerful and he's not as long as some of the other uh, tackle prospects uh a little raw but he's a guy who displayed the athleticism that i think teams will be uh intrigued by on day two maybe even early day three um just somebody in a in a deep tackle class that could show out and be one of the better options there uh, let me start um andrew with the fallers because it's an intriguing uh prospect to me uh, a guy who fell a little bit in this process for me was uh, Kenyon Green, um, the guard from Texas A&M. He was not a great athletic showcase uh, at the combine here. And while that may hurt his stock a little bit, it may also help the Pittsburgh Steelers if they decide to go with an offensive lineman in the first round and uh, they're looking for a guy that his tape is really good. He's powerful. He's a mauler and a guy with a little bit of position flexibility. Um, Kenyon green could be an intriguing option at 20 if he were to fall there. And I don't think teams were, or that we would expect him to have fallen there uh, early on in, in the, the off season um, training and everything leading up to the combine, but some teams will probably get scared off by those numbers 
five two four in the in the forty, and he didn't jump well. Um, didn't display a lot of natural power and athleticism, but he's just a, a rock of a guy on the interior of the of the offensive line. If they want somebody to push piles, he's a guy that could do that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I had Kenny Green on my list as well. Uh, his numbers were really bad across the board. I think this could honestly knock him out of the first round, especially with Zion Johnson's mm-hmm. rise. I feel like that kind of opens the door for him as the number one guard in this class. Kenny Green's tape is still really good. And he has some versatility, uh, but he's going to need a good pro day to bounce back after that. Um, do you want me to give uh, my uh, kind of fallers from this position? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Darian Kinnard is one guy. Uh, he had a four nine six in the short shuttle, eight one one in the three cone drill. He didn't even get to hundred inches in the broad jump. I mean, they, these were horrible numbers across the board. Plus, he lost a lot of weight and did not look like the same type of player. Would not shock me if he fell all the way to day three. And then I mentioned Lasita Smith earlier. I love his tape, but I expect him to light up the combine post. Incredibly insane numbers. He looked like an athlete on tape coming out of high school. He was an athlete. I expected great things. I didn't get anything near that. He was at or near the bottom in a couple events. He was kind of mediocre in the rest. He wasn't at the top in anything. He was a little bit better in the on-field drills. Um, Obviously, tape overrides the athletic testing numbers, but I was really disappointed, really in this offensive line class as a whole. A lot of people were hyping it up. I just didn't really see quite as much depth as what I was hoping. We mentioned a lot of guys rapid fire that are kind of versatile pieces that don't have one specific position. But I think when you're looking at the pure offensive tackles and the pure guards like Lasita Smith, I feel like they kind of disappointed as a whole, especially in the short shuttle. There was several really slow, unexpected short shuttle times. And that really shows how good an offensive lineman's change of direction skills are. And I think that's a big issue yeah. we have with a lot of these tackle guard combos. I think a lot of them are going to be moving inside the guard because of that issue. Yeah, we did see a, a clear difference in the athleticism of the top tier uh, offensive tackle prospects from those guys who played offensive tackle in college, but are probably on their way to a position change in the NFL. That is something that we definitely could see in this combine 2022. All right. We're going to jump on to wide receivers. I've got a couple guys that I really liked their combine. I really liked what they showed out with. I want to see if yours kind of line up with mine. So Andrew, who do you got as a riser from the wide receiver group? Well, I was a big fan of Christian Watson coming in before the combine, but it's six foot four, 208 pounds, I believe. Four, three, six in the 40, 38.5 inch vertical, 136 inch broad jump. He was fantastic in the senior bowl. His tape is really good. He's very good on contested catches, has good hands. He's actually not a terrible route runner for someone that big. He's a guy that I'm not sure if Kansas City or somebody in the later first round would take a chance on him, but I think he's a guy probably in the top 40, top 45 picks. He's probably off the board. Sky Moore is another guy. Sheenan White has been talking about this guy. Looks a lot like Antonio Brown, really, when you watch him. He says he models his game after him. When you turn on the tape, there are some similarities to Antonio Brown. He tested better than A.B. did, though. 4-4-1 in the 40, 34.5-inch vertical. The rest of the time were kind of pedestrian, but he was incredibly good in the on-field drills. Looked very agile, uh, very quick, in and out of cuts, very good hands. Uh, Actually, decent on contested catches, by the way, when you watch him on tape. He has a couple of those that you saw in the red zone. Um, but a couple guys I'll just do rapid fire. Calvin Austin, 4-3-2 in the mm. 40, third only to Taekwon Thornton and Vilas Jones Jr. 135-inch broad jump, second only Christian Watson, 39-inch vertical, third only Isaiah Weston and Alex Pierce, 6-6-5, which is incredible in the three-cone drill, which is first, 
and 407 in the shuttle, which is first. He's going to get knocked for his size, but after this outstanding, literally historic combine for a wide receiver, to do something like this, mm. I could see him sneaking into the late first round at worst. I think he's a top 40, top 45 pick. Sure. my I think teams will um, be a little hesitant for a guy his size based on the uh, Tavon Austin uh, situation earlier. Well, not, I guess not earlier, but um, a few years ago where he the just tested out of his mind. He's so quick, such a dynamic playmaker. It took him early, but the size really was an inhibitor for him in the pros. So uh, definitely a playmaker, a guy that I could see uh, getting a bump from this for sure. Um, but I don't know if he if he packs the punch of Christian Watson or Alec Pierce in what they were able to show out at the combine uh, so far. I liked um, George Pickens, his 40-yard dash, 4.47, a guy that was injured at Georgia a lot and didn't really get to show um, the type of receiver he is, but highly touted coming out of high school, highly touted early on in his co- college career as well. 125 inch broad, 33 inch vertical. He's definitely an athlete, 6'3, 195, 32 and three inch arms. He's a he's a a big wide receiver and he proved he could run pretty well as well. He could provide some value in the middle rounds of the draft that the Steelers could be looking at for sure at the wide receiver position. Did you have anybody that fell off your radar a little bit because of their combine? Yeah, David Bell, he ran a four, six, five in the 40. He wasn't expected to test incredible, but I didn't expect to be quite that bad. 33 inch vertical, 118 inch broad jump, uh, seven, one, four, which isn't terrible in the three cone. And then four, five, seven in the short shuttle, which was the worst of any wide receiver. He's a guy that yeah. almost reminds me of a bigger James Washington type player he didn't he there were times where he would get separation on tape but it was almost hard to tell because this past season a lot of the opponents Purdue faced they didn't play a ton of incredibly tough defenses and there I mean they had a couple guys on their side of the division Wisconsin of course they always have a decent secondary Iowa as well but for the most part they did not have an incredibly tough schedule when it came to opposing secondaries and David Bell it I mean he was open a lot of the time I really don't know how much of it was separation he created so that's just something to think about. Traylon Burks is another guy. I thought he would run a lot faster. I thought he would run the four fours. He ran a four five five. Mm-hmm. Also had a thirty three inch vertical. The rest of his numbers weren't that great either. But real quickly, I forgot to finish after Kelvin, my Kelvin Austin rant. Um, but Bo okay. Melton is a guy that KT Smith uh, from behind the steel curtain. He coached against in high school, and I believe. I need to check with him on this, but I'm going to try to see if he can do a little write-up when we get to the wide receivers on the big board. Uh, but he really sure. likes Bone Mountain. had an outstanding combine. Kevin Austin from Notre Dame and Isaiah Weston, wide receiver, Northern Iowa. Those are three other guys that I think will help themselves this week wide receiver. Yeah, could you believe how fast uh, Garrett Wilson ran the 40? I was not expecting that. I wasn't expecting it for him or Chris Olave. I thought Wilson would run faster than Olave. Because I thought Lava was more quick than fast when you watched him on tape. I was expecting a four or five something, mm. honestly, for Lava. So when I saw that four two six on official time, I'm like, okay, that can't be right. But even when it came to four three nine, I'm like, that's still a really good time for Chris Lava, a guy who's not really. He was a deep threat in college, but not a guy who's really. He's more of a route runner that's going to make plays in the short intermediate area and make plays after the catch. He's not really a burner. Yeah, the abundance of of wide receivers really 
kind of plays into the Steelers' hands a little bit here. Um, I don't I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of them go in the early portion of the first round, but I think you'll see a run on them in the latter and uh, latter portions of the first round and early portions of the second round. But the Steelers should have a good option at their second pick if they want to go that route, if they've already addressed offensive line. Uh, but I think if they have an address offensive line, they're probably going that route early on day two. Um, so maybe one of these, uh, maybe a Bo Melton or um, let's see a Kevin Austin Jr. Somebody like that can fall to them in the third round. They would be pleased with something like that. Um, we're going to go ahead and take a break. Um, we talked tight ends and running backs last week and uh, listed a couple of those guys in our rapid fire at the beginning. So we'll kind of skip over those. The Steelers aren't heavy, don't have a heavy need at that position. So when we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to talk defensive positions, guys who stood out, guys who kind of uh, fell back. And uh, we will be right back and discuss those guys here in just a second. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the second half of the Steelers draft fix. Andrew, defense was the most fun I've had watching a combine this year, 2022. The defensive guys really came to, to play and came to show their skills. And uh, we've got a lot of guys we can probably talk about on the defensive side of the ball. Let's start at the Steelers' biggest position of need on that side, which I think you and I both agree is the cornerback position. They just had their 40 today. It's, or I'm sorry, their combine workout today. It's fresh in our minds. Who did you like from the cornerback group that the Steelers might have a shot at middle of the first round or uh, sometime on day two? Well, to be honest, the, a lot of these guys, there were several unexpected fast 40s, and we'll get into those. But there were a lot of polarizing workouts. A lot of the guys that ran fast didn't do quite as well in the on-field drills. Some of the guys that were a little bit better in the on-field drills didn't run quite as fast in the 40 and didn't have quite as good athletic testing. It was kind of the same way with the safeties as well. And I still have to finish watching that. I didn't get to see all of the safeties. But I watched the cornerbacks, and Tariq Wollin is a guy. I knew he was going to run fast, but it's six foot four, 205 pounds or whatever to run a 4-2-6. That's just incredible. A 42-inch vertical. Insane. My only knock on him was that he was really tight in the drills, really, really tight. One of the most tight corners. He didn't, he really needs to loosen up those hips. He really struggled turning in the drills, going from side to side. His lateral agility isn't that great, but Alante Taylor is the other guy. I'm not a big fan of him because I don't think he's really a man coverage corner. He's more of a zone corner. 
but I thought he was going to be limited to zone because of poor speed. But then he comes out and runs a four, three, six. My issue is where was that on tape? I mean, when you watch him on tape, he does not look that fast at all. At the senior bowl, he was going against his teammate, Vilas Jones Jr. And granted, Vilas Jones is a four, three runner of himself, but he got torched multiple times. He looked really bad. Maybe it, Jones just made him look slower. But Alonzo Taylor's a guy I never expected to run that fast of a 40. I think he's a guy that probably now we're looking at as a day two prospect. Yeah, a guy that could be a, an option for the Steelers. Um, I thought that um, Kair Elam did well, 4-3-9 in the 40. He's a, he's a bigger corner as well that just um, – he played well at, at Florida. He's got good tape. And I think he's going to – hit the back end of the, of the first round, probably. Um, he didn't do many other drills, I don't believe, but he did run and, or I'm sorry, any other uh, like jumps or anything like that, but he did run. And the four, three, nine was very impressive for a guy who is, is a big corner, a long corner, a rangy guy that um, can play press or uh, zone. So somebody, if the Steelers were to, to look at trading back in the first round, um, he could be somebody that they might target there. Um, I also uh, – I wasn't highly impressed with um, Jack Jones uh, from Arizona State, his 40 time, but he did look pretty smooth in the on-field workouts, and I think that that's where he makes his money is, is, in, the, is in how smooth he is and just the way he plays the game uh, – not necessarily the testing numbers, but just how he plays and, and his mentality on the field. Did you have anybody that um, did not perform as well as you thought? And because of that may have fallen down your draft board a little bit. Well, the follow up on Jack Jones, he has a very interesting story. He was involved in some off field issues uh, early on in his career, at Arizona state, I believe it maybe even been at the end of high school, but he got things going on. He got on the right path. He actually, I believe, made the Dean's list. I want to say it was either in 2019 or 2020, made the Dean's list. Uh, I believe he transferred schools as well. I don't have it in front of me, but I did some research on him earlier for during the regular season when I was writing an article up about some of the draft risers. And he was a guy who was very productive at the beginning of the year, had a couple splash plays for Arizona State. He's a guy that I, I did actually reach out to him on Twitter once, and he actually responded back. So that already automatically bumps him up, gives him a one-round bump on the <laughs> draft board. Um, for that yeah uh, but sure. <laughs> uh, we, we need to try to get him on the show at some point but uh, for guys that didn't do so well Kyler Gordon is a guy a lot of people were yes. putting up just based off of athleticism he's someone that you know on tape at Washington is very, very hard to tell because they play so much zone defense they play so far away from the ball that when you watch them on tape it's hard to tell are they really good athletes or not because so much of the time they're just backpedaling and they're, you know, playing this bend but don't break style of defense. But he ran a 4-5-2 in the 40. I was expecting something in the four threes. He didn't do any other tests. I expected incredible athleticism on display. We didn't get it from him. And then Trent McDuffie and Roger McCreary, a big thing to pay attention to with them is their short arms. I believe they both measured in at under 30-inch arms. That could limit them both to the slot, especially McDuffie. I believe he starts out in the slot. I think he may stay there, McCreary. He's more of an outside corner style of play, but because of those short arms, you know, will that hinder him? He also ran a four five, which he's very quick. He played very quick and he was very good in the on-field drills, but uh, it wasn't quite as fast as what some people had anticipated. So I feel like 
if you pay attention to mock drafts, I feel like he's a guy that you're probably not going to see in the first round any longer. And Trent McDuffie, I don't think he did a whole lot to hurt his stock. I just think that he's going to be a zone. He's going to be a, excuse me, slot corner at the beginning of his career. Hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely at the beginning of his career, uh, a guy that should be moved inside where he gets a little more help and uh, can um, use that, those uh, zone skills to his advantage. I wanted to go back to a guy I was pretty impressed with just, just in how he moved. And that's uh, Kalen Barnes uh, from Baylor. He almost set the combine record. I think we have to mention that for 40 yard dash, he ran so fast and I thought he was pretty smooth for a, for a straight line speed guy on the field as well. He's a project corner. um, But I think you saw some stuff out of him that, uh, on day three would be um, enough to get a team to, to jump out there. And the, the speed alone will get him looks um, on that side of the ball. Uh, I did not like the combine for Kyler Gordon. Like you mentioned, he was kind of my big follower. And then uh, Kobe Bryant, the, uh, the other Cincinnati cornerback as well, was a little slow um, and he wasn't very explosive to me. But, you know, a, a guy that – maybe because of that falls a little bit in the draft too and could come into play for the Steelers. Again, I do want to stress that these workout numbers are not the be all end all for these players. Andrew, I know you agree with that, Um, but it is intriguing to see that. And you can also start to take guys who kind of clump together um, in skill set when you watch the tape and start to spread them apart based on athleticism and upside. So I think that's what we're really trying to focus in on here. Um, okay, so let's move on to another position group. Uh, I like I like this linebacker group a lot, and I think you do too. The day two options at linebacker are fantastic, and i i can I can say with some pretty uh, dogged certainty that the Steelers are going to be making a move at that position uh, around the day two time frame. Um, just based on what they want on that defense. And there are several linebackers that stood out to me. I'm curious as to who stood out to you specifically, Andrew, at the linebacker position. There's so many I could get into because, I mean, the numbers were incredible. But Troy Anderson is a guy from Montana State. I still want to look into a little bit more into this tape. But from what I've seen, the tape is really good. Very instinctual, very productive player in Montana State. Six foot three and a half, 243 pounds. He ran a four four two in the 40. I was expecting maybe four fives. Four four two is really impressive, especially at 240 plus mm-hmm. pounds. 36 inch vertical. He has some length as well. 128 inch broad jump. He had maybe, in my opinion, the best workout of any linebacker. He looked pretty good in the on field drills as well. Quay Walker is a guy I've really liked for a couple years now. I think he'd be a great compliment to Devin Bush. Six foot four, 241. I really think that these guys with length, the Steelers need to be paying attention to. Joe Schobert, I, be, I believe, is going to be cut very soon uh, just because he's not really a true buck linebacker. He's a Mike linebacker, and he doesn't really have the length, and neither does Devin Bush. You need someone in the middle of that defense that can cover a little bit more ground just with their length. We know Devin Bush can cover ground sideline to sideline but somebody that can get in to passing windows just with that length, that those extra couple of inches are very important. And I feel like Quay Walker's got four five, two in the 40, 32 inch vertical, 122 mm. inch broad jump. 
Sheeny Tindall's not going to get into because I think he's more of a weak side linebacker in a 4-3, but he had an incredible combine. And then Chad Muma, a uh, guy that Shannon White has been really high on as well. Um, so if you're mm-hmm. listening, Shannon, I mentioned this guy for you. Uh, but 4-6-3, average 40 <laughs> time, not terrible. But the rest of his combine was elite. 27 bench reps, 40-inch vertical, 129-inch broad jump, a 7.06 in the three-cone, a 4.26 shuttle. He looked really good in the drills. He had power in his punch. He was quick to react. I think he's a second-round pick now. And then the last two names I'm going to mention, Damone Clark from LSU, a big, thicker linebacker who has some blitzing ability. His, when his unofficial 40 time came in, had me a little bit concerned. It came down a little bit, the more reasonable number. And then one guy on day three to keep an eye on is DeMarco Jackson from Appalachian State. He's a guy who looked really smooth in the on-field drills, very feisty, very tenacious. He's a guy that I believe he ran a 4-6 in the 40. Showed decent athleticism, not fantastic. Sure. But he's a guy that I think once you get to day three, a guy who I believe will put in the work ethic. He has the work ethic, and he's going to develop into a guy who at very least will be a ace special team. Sure. Um, I like, I like those guys that you're, you're talking about um, specifically um, specifically Chad Muma and uh, Troy Anderson. Those two guys really intrigued me. A guy that surprised me a lot with his straight line speed was Leo Chenal from uh, Wisconsin. I, I, I pegged him just off of the tape and uh, reading up on him as more of a, a traditional downhill uh, bust the running back type of linebacker. But I think he showed that he's got the ability to uh, get out in space and be athletic as well. And uh, if, if that's not something the Steelers covet, I don't know what is out of their linebackers. They really miss that thumper that could also help in the passing game. Um, Schobert was not a thumper <laughs> next to Devin Bush. Devin Bush is not a thumper either. Uh, and then Robert Spillane is a thumper, but he's such a liability in coverage. It's hard to keep him on the field. Uh, Chenal was very impressive as a prospect to me. And then um, a, another guy that I just thought looked really good is um, the Beavers kid. I'm not seeing him here. Um, what's what's his first name? Darian. Darian Beavers. Yeah, Darian Beavers. The guy is – a as long as a uh, he's just long <laughs> i don't know how to just to uh compare it but he's a long rangy linebacker and a, a day two pick probably at this point that i think the steelers will covet his type of athleticism and length and even though he's a little bit of a project probably i think the steelers trust what they have there in pittsburgh to be able to make it work uh, darian beavers is a guy that i really liked uh at the combine this year. Um, do you have anybody who fell down your board a little bit? Well, there were not a whole lot of guys I could truly call losers, but a guy who may drop just a tiny bit is Devin Lloyd. The rest of his outside of the 40 time, the rest of his workout was pretty solid. He was a little bit sloppier than expected in the drills. He didn't keep his shoulders parallel, not quite as natural in coverage. But he did run a 4.66 in the 40, which isn't a terrible time. And I didn't expect him to run anything fantastic, but I was thinking maybe high four fives. So it wasn't quite as good as what I was hoping. I'm not knocking him out of the first round in my next mock draft, which will be coming out later this week more than likely. Uh, so keep an eye out for that behind the steelcurtain.com. But Devin Lloyd is a guy who – the tape is really good. 
and you don't want to overthink these evaluations just based off combine mm-hmm. sets, but he's a guy probably didn't have the best day on Saturday. Sure. I think the comps that they were showing on TV to Darius Leonard are pretty uh, good. Uh, Darius Leonard was a day two pick, a second round pick, um, but he's developed into one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Devin Lloyd shows great recognition and fluidity. I think despite the slower testing at, uh, and speed, um, I think he's going to maintain a pretty good standing across the board. Um I thought that I was a little disappointed, um, even though he ran fantastic um, and displayed really good athleticism overall. I was a little disappointed in Christian Harris uh, weighing in at only 220. Um, I think that was not something that was expected. I thought he played a little bigger at Alabama, Um, but maybe he's shooting to be the type of uh, JOK prospect from a couple from last year. Um, and he's got that ability and he played at Alabama. So, you know, the coaching is good and he's going to step into the NFL program and be a solid player. But um, these Georgia guys are just so impressive. And who I think they're going to both be fantastic starters um, when they make it to the NFL draft, wherever they they're picked. I, I think the Steelers have got to try to get in on one of these Georgia prospects uh, personally. And uh, we're going to jump into that here now. Um, the defensive tackle group, uh, defensive line group. Uh, we'll do some edge rushers here too, if any stood out to you there. Uh, what, did, what did you like uh, from the defensive line guys? Well, defensive tackle Travis Jones is a guy I've been high for a while. He had a really good combine. 492 in the 40 is 10 yard split time, which the 10 yard split where the defensive lineman is really more important than the 40 time. You don't want your defensive lineman running 40 yards down the field because if it is, it's probably not a good thing. So you know, the 10-yard split is really where it matters. And he had a 176, which is pretty good. Uh, 28 and a half inch vertical, 733 in the three cone drill. We had one wide receiver and one tight end that could not even run 733 in the three cone mm-hmm. drill this year. It was incredibly tenacious on non-field drills. We know the defensive tackle. We know it's going to be a big need next year for the Steelers. And if Travis Jones is sitting there at 52, I think you have to consider it. I'm just not sure he will be there at that point. Mm. At edge rushers, there were a lot more risers. I feel like with uh, Amari Barno, a guy from Virginia Tech, ran a 4-3-6, which was incredible. Has a very slight frame, very raw. He's still learning the position. Boye Mafe, edge rusher, Minnesota. Dominique Robinson, edge rusher, Miami of Ohio. Arnold Ebiquete, uh, edge rusher, Penn State. Those are all guys that rose. Not going to get into them. You can go and check out their numbers at NFL.com. Uh, but they were all guys that did pretty well in the on-field portion as well in terms of uh, just fluidity, uh, especially when dropping back their back pedal. The back pedal of Arnold Ebiquete is impressive. He's a guy that nobody really talks about his coverage ability. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if when in the NFL, if he goes to 314, will that linebacker's coach and that defensive coordinator decide to bump him back into coverage every now and then? I'll be interested to see if he can actually hold up. Yeah, those are kind of the guys I was uh, looking at, too. Travis Jones looked really good. Um, the one guy that I thought did better than uh, I expected was um, Thomas Booker from Stanford. He he tested pretty well under a five-second uh, 40-yard dash, and he's got, he's got decent length and a powerful base. He's a big boy, but he's he's um 
I'm not sure what he would do on a defensive line other than just a traditional uh, three tech, um, just the way he plays and everything. But he had a good combine to me that did not uh, do anything but help uh, his stock uh, at the defensive tackle position. Did anybody kind of fall off uh, for you as a guy that you you wouldn't want to or just somebody that did not um, compete as well as you thought they might? Neil Farrell, you can't really expect too much athletically from a 330 pound nose tackle, mm-hmm. but he ran a 541 in the 40, only had a 21 and a half inch vertical and an 841 in a three cone drill, which is horrible. I believe he's a guy that, I mean, we were talking about as a potential third round, maybe early fourth round pick. I think he falls to the fifth or sixth round now. Not a guy that I think you're going to be looking at as a potential starter, uh, an early down starter at nose tackle. And then at defensive end, Zachary Carter's a guy who I expected to test really well. A lot of people expected that. Uh, but he did not do very well. He was at or near the bottom in almost every part of the workout. Yeah, um, a couple guys at Edge that had rough outings. Uh, Logan Hall um, from Houston, who I think is pretty high on most people's uh, lists of, of players. Um, he was a little disappointing from an athletic standpoint, but his tape at Houston is good, and he's got he's a good closer. I think he plays a little faster on the field. Uh, but the guy that he just looked super stiff and – um, very much a, a limited type player from an athletic standpoint is uh, Myron Takavailoa Amosa, um, cousin to uh, Tua down in Miami. Um, I don't know if you noticed this in his drills, but a lot of these guys had some good bend. He had almost no bend at all. Um, the figure eight drill really exposed that for him. And then some of the um, quick feet drills uh, were, were just not a good look. For him, and I think uh, playing at Notre Dame, he had a, a good reputation um, as a as a decent player, a guy who might translate to the NFL. But athletically, there's a he leaves a lot to be desired there, and probably uh, falls um, down some draft boards because of that. Um, okay, we're moving right on through these guys. I do want to talk about the safeties because it's an intriguing situation where the Steelers are concerned with uh, Terrell Edmonds on the back end. And boy, oh boy, uh, I, I saw some safeties that uh, took my breath away in some workouts today. And uh, I know you haven't gotten a chance, like you said, to really dive into all of those guys, but did anybody just pass the eye test for you um, at the combine today? Well, it looks to me like the free safety class is a little bit better than the strong safety, which I think is why – the Steelers need to and will re-sign Terrell Edmonds. I just think he's a good fit in the defense. But if, you know, I really don't see a great option at strong safety. Leon O'Neal is one guy. He had he was he had several good uh, – he was very good in the on-field portion of what I saw. Still need to go and look uh, at him a little bit closer. But guys that can play both, probably more free safety. Lewis Seen is a guy who is fantastic. Another Georgia guy. We're getting all these Georgia guys. Uh, but was right, fantastic. He jumped out. He jumped out of the building. Was fantastic. JT Woods is a guy um, from Baylor. Ran very well. Um, he's more. He made a lot of plays for Baylor. He was very productive. He's very good instinctually, and instincts and speed together is very good when you're in the secondary. But I feel like when you um, when you're looking at JT Woods, you're looking at a guy who's still very stiff in the hips. Um, still a very raw athlete, a guy, maybe he goes late day two, but I think he's more of a day three prospect. Sure. Uh, my draft crush on the back end, uh, is Nick cross from Maryland. Just, uh, 
jumped out of the building, same as seen. Um, the 40-yard dash was the best of all the, the safeties, 4.34. And the guy's six foot and 212. He can move. He's a big man. He lays some punishment. I think he's a he's a tweener there as well, um, where he can play strong safety or free safety. And with the ability of um of uh <laughs> Minka Fitzpatrick. Sorry about that. Uh, to do the same type of thing, we saw him come up into the box a lot more this year. Um, having two guys that could do that on the back end, if the Steelers can't um, keep Terrell Edmonds or decide to let him go, uh, Nick Cross is intriguing to me with in that type of situation because he can come up in the box or he can drop back. And the, the disguise that I think ter- uh, Terrell Austin and um, – uh, Oh, who's the Miami coach that we just signed? <laughs> Blanket on names. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think those two guys, the way they like to disguise um, packages and uh, Terrell Austin, especially on the back end of the defense, how cool is, would it be to have two guys that that can play either one and, and the offense just has no idea who's going where? So I think, uh, I think Nick Cross and uh, – seen are, are both uh, great options at that position and might change the Steelers draft strategy a little bit on day two uh, based on their, their testing numbers. All right. That kind of does it for risers and fallers on the offense and defensive sides. We saw a lot at the combine. It's hard to digest it all in just a couple of days. So I'm sure we'll develop some opinions and then also kind of level out based on what we saw We've got some high expectations now for some guys athletically based on what we saw today. That'll level out as we get back into the tape a little bit more. We see pro days and how those are handled by these guys. But, um, Andrew, I wanted to ask you a couple questions about the Steelers draft strategy now before we go. Um, Based on what we saw today, did did anybody do something today that could alter the Steelers' plans early in in the NFL draft? I think the fact that Derek Stingley and Andrew Booth did not work out could affect their draft stock. And if one of them were to fall to pick 20, I feel like those are both two guys that the Steelers have to consider. I don't think there's any way Stingley falls, but it, let's say he goes out and has a horrible pro day. I think it's possible if he falls to 15, do you trade up? Andrew Booth is a guy who was my personal favorite from this past uh, season and then also in 2020 on tape in the limited amount of time that we saw him uh, but that's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out two of the top three corners in this draft in my opinion that didn't try out how's that going to affect things and then of course Malik Willis uh, trying out how high do we have to go up and get him that'll be interesting to see especially right. with Carolina there's reports that they may take offensive line instead of quarterback if that happens maybe we only trade up to 10 get a Devin Bush type package together maybe it's possible I think if you can send a Devin Bush package uh, and get the, that number 10 pick, you, you do that in a heartbeat for a guy like Malik Willis. Um, Jordan Davis was so incredible. I think you have to – you just have to mention him as uh, – if the Steelers really are going a BPA, best player available style draft, which they always say they do – but I haven't seen it in a few years, <laughs> to be honest. Um, if they are going with that type of mentality in this draft, because they know they have so many areas to hit, 
one of these two Georgia guys, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, if they make it to 20, you know Mike Tomlin, you know um, Brian Flores, Terrell Austin, these guys are going to give each other a couple of looks if, if one of these two guys are sitting there at 20. I think that that's, that's something to just keep an eye on Steelers fans um, as a potential shakeup in the first round. But do you, I also wanted to mention that there's, there's several position groups that I think the Steelers might say also, Hey, there's some really good depth here. Let's wait and let's go get some of these, uh, these shallower positions first. That's why I really think that the Steelers go quarterback or bust in the first round. And uh, it, that's just what makes sense in my mind. They seem to lock on the last few years to a position and they go at the best guy available at that position when their draft slot comes to pass. So that's why I think quarterback is going to be the pick in the first round, no matter what, but, Andrew, do you do you see any position groups um, that are so deep that you think the Steelers will probably wait a little bit longer than their need might suggest they should? I could see potentially along the defensive line or at linebacker. I'm curious to see if some of those guys that we mentioned at linebacker, maybe one of them falls to day three, maybe with that fourth-round compensatory pick that the Steelers will get for Bud Dupree. Maybe the Steelers wait until day three. I'm not sure if we will or not, but I think that's the one position. And then maybe cornerback as well. There's a lot of good depth there. Um, if the Steelers take a quarterback round one, especially if they trade up, not going to have as many picks on day two. Maybe they have to wait a little bit longer than we expect. Right. I think that linebacker position is the, is the real one for me. Um, there's so many guys there. They probably wait a little bit longer to take a uh, project prospect and really – build around the athleticism that we saw during the combine. All right. I know this was a little bit longer show. I appreciate everybody for sticking with us. I hope you have a great week. Uh, this show is recorded Sunday night after the, the cornerbacks and safeties uh, played ball or on the, on the field, did their workouts and uh, it's going to air tomorrow, Monday. <laughs> so I, I hope that this is fresh for everyone and uh, if you have any questions about um, the combine or anything like that, hit up Andrew Wilbar or hit up myself on Twitter. We'd love to answer any questions for you. Andrew, go ahead and give your Twitter handle and then I'll do mine as well. So people can reach out if they want to. Just find me at Andrew underscore Wilbar. That's at Andrew underscore W I L B A R. And you can find me, Jeremy Betts at T H E B E T Z. Nine three. That's the bets. Ninety three. We look forward to hearing from you. I hope you enjoyed the show, Andrew. Until next time, have a great week. You as well. Looking forward to the next mock draft. <laughs>